Welcome to the Healthcare IT Today interview series. We feel lucky to be able to talk to so many smart, passionate, and knowledgeable people in healthcare. Now, we're taking our favorite interviews and sharing them with you. So sit back, relax, and enjoy perspectives on the world of health IT. Hello, everyone. I'm John Lynn, the founder and chief editor at Healthcare IT Today. Excited to bring you another in our series of health IT interviews. And today's guest is Daniel Sedone. He's CTO at Nextgate. Welcome, Danny. Oh, thank you, John. Appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, well, you know, we've had, we've talked a lot, so I, this is kind of yeah, I love I love having people back because then you get like a nice series yeah. of things, and you've done a lot of articles on healthcare IT today guest articles, so I feel like you know I know a lot about you, but we've. Yeah. Known each other for quite a while. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, it's good, cool. Yeah. But today's topic of digital identity is something we haven't talked about too much. But before we dive into that, tell us a little bit about yourself and Nextgate. Sure, sure. My my role at Nextgate is the chief technology officer, and Nextgate was a company uh, that was formed. Uh, we got 16 years, I think, at this point, wow. and our focus has been on trying to help organizations to identify patients and providers of care. Uh, accurately across disparate systems. So uh, it's something that um, recently, as you say, with digital identity, there's some some new avenues uh, available to us. And it's, it's kind of an interesting area. Yeah, so let's talk about it. Like, what is digital identity? I'm, I'm seeing it being used by a lot of the health IT industry now, but what do you see? Yeah, it's, it is an ambiguous term. Uh, and um, it, it can mean a number of different things. I mean, at the end of the day, it's, it's allowing, uh, you know, a software system to be able to communicate with some actor within that application, you know, so if you're a user, if you're a patient, or if you're a doctor, uh, you know, these are different, it, there is a need to be able to say, hey, this is who I am, so that you can conduct, you know, some, some business, whatever that may be. Um, and so, you know, digital identity encompasses that kind of authentication of, you know, this is who I am. And you can reliably communicate with the same person over and over again with the same digital identity um, and being able to prove that that person really owns that identity. But then there's a whole kind of other piece of it, which is around really more around levels of assurance that attributes that are associated to that digital ID really belong to you. So is my name really Daniel Sedan or am I really just somebody else? And I'm just going with saying that that's my name, you know? And, and so that's a, that's a different thing. I mean, it's, 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 it's part of digital identity, but to the extent that uh, organizations need that level of assurance for different attributes, that's a decision based on whatever particular, uh, you know, use case there is. So digital identity goes all the way from really not much more than just a username <laughs> with very little verification to something as sophisticated as like a biometric passport you know, where there's a very high level of assurance that, uh, you know, the attributes associated are, are accurate representation of that, of that individual. I don't know if that helped. It's a very kind of, uh, yeah, hard well, to I say like one, in a nutshell, I guess. I think one of the challenges is that like even your simple example it, or gets confused really quickly. I don't think yeah. people understand how hard digital identity really is. Cause you said, my name is Daniel Sedon, but you know, sometimes you're called Danny. Right? <laughs> like, so you sure. just ruined your digital identity already. It feels like, right? I mean, it's complex. Well, I mean, it's part of the reason, like what you're describing is part of the reason why using identifying attributes like names and addresses and phone numbers and all that is kind of like a poor way of uniquely identifying an individual. And that's been the way that, that healthcare 
and many organizations have, or many, many verticals have operated in just kind of taking a best guess, you know, like if I want to get a big picture of somebody and I don't really have some sort of portable, uh, you know, unique ID that can kind of thread all that data, then yeah, we do the whole Dan, Daniel, Danny. I mean, that's, that's what our software has been doing, you know, we're going on 16 years. Uh, it's, it's a complicated business, but it never, unfortunately never gets us to the hundred percent. And that's why, you know, we feel pretty strongly that the only way to get there is to start down this path of, of really giving people credentials that they can carry with them and present to say, this is who I am. I'm not Dan or Danny or whatever. I am this ID. Uh, and that's how, you know, I should be known. Interesting. So. Well, and we won't go down the path of national patient identifier. There's a, there's a great video you can check out that we already did on that, but yeah. you know, what really does constitute like an individual's identity in healthcare and, and how is it being used? You know, like, is it, you know, and I guess part of it for me is also the governance, like who should, you know, manage the person's identity and verify. Yeah. It. Those are really, Maybe that's really, part of the problem too. Yeah. I mean, I think that, um, you know, the, the digital identity in healthcare, basically that's the root of, you know, all of the clinical information that organizations, you know, gather over the years as you're treated at, at multiple facilities. And, and typically most healthcare organizations do want to tie that to a set of identifying attributes, uh, such as your name, you know, contact information, like your address, phone number, email, and things like that. So they can reach out to you so that they can send you a bill you know, so, um, you know, it's, there are cases where the identity is, is, you know, can remain anonymous. There's, there's certain services where that's, you know, that's desirable, but by and large, you know, most healthcare organizations want to have a fairly good understanding of, uh, of who you are. Um, and, and so, you know, I mean, I, but the way that we're trying to construct, uh, identity, uh, for our customers in healthcare, digital identity is that we're assuming that most of our, most of the organizations that are going to be using it want to have some level of assurance on basic attributes about you, um, and, and it is a tough question, you know, in terms of like who really is in control of, of that, like who can really say and dictate, hey, I just moved to a new address, but this is my yeah. new phone number. Um, and the way that we're constructing this in our solution is is we are going to let that fight kind of play out uh, in you know in the real world in the sense that the patient will be able to give their view of the world in terms of this is who I claim that I am. Um, but then the organization can also produce their own credentials and decide what elements of the patient contributed data they wish to include in their records. Because at this stage of the game, we're going basically from a setup where patients have very little visibility and very little control over their identity uh, to one where we're trying to put the patient more in the driver's seat, but we can't just put them there immediately. And there are definitely certain safeguards that it's totally understandable that organizations would want to put up before allowing, you know, people to just run rampant and, and, and you know, basically define, you know, their, their identity on their own. Yeah. Well, I imagine you've had a lot of experience with a lot of different organizations some that do digital ID the right way and some that probably weren't doing it the right way when you met them. What are, what are some of the consequences to that? And, you know, uh, it seems, you know, it, it seems I, scary, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't think anybody does it the right way at this point, okay. you know, and, and um, there are ways that, you know, have 
work better. But even there, I would say that it's not really the right way, you know. So, so mm-hmm. we've always felt, um, you know, with with Nextgate, and maybe we're biased because you know we're uh, we're a vendor for Master Patient Index and, and provider registries. But, but you know, from our point of view, the identity never should belong to any one particular system, any one EHR, uh, for example. You know, any any dominant player within a IDN or, or, you know, it, it's something where the people, the actors that participate in, in healthcare uh, exist outside of that particular healthcare enterprise, you know, so to define them and say, well, you only exist because you're a record in this EHR really, you know, doesn't make sense. So the EMPI, you know, the way that we approached it 15 years back was, was always to tell people, um, let us be the central repository of all the patients that you treat, no matter what system is touching them, uh, at least get to that point where you're not locking their existence to, to one particular system. And I mean, I think that's certainly better than taking a strategy that says, you know, I'm going to just let you know, one clinical application uh, represent all of my patients, because that really has led to all sorts of problems. Um, you know, and the the issue is, is if you manage patient identity badly in healthcare, it usually has a rather nasty outcome, right? I mean, it's either reduced patient satisfaction because now a, a patient is calling in and the doctor has like no idea uh, about some mm-hmm. procedure or some test results or whatever that, that came in. Um, you know, things like get lost in the, in the process, billing problems occur. And the worst case, if you if you mistakenly identified somebody, you know you can end up killing them, right? Because you end up not having the correct picture on things like what medications they're on, you know what allergies they have. Uh, some of these things have very serious you know repercussions. So it's super. I mean, it's important in any industry, but like if you if you make an order or something for something on Amazon or whatever, and they screw up your address and they send it to somebody else, you know, or, or whatever. Yeah. It's not, it's not yeah, like I, I had uh, actually during this pandemic, you know, a lot of us have done this, right? Like where we uh, try to find as many things as we can do, you know, online and avoid, you know, going, uh, you know, to the grocery store or whatever. So I, I, I signed up for some service. I can't remember which it was, Instacart or one of these things. And, and one day, you know, I opened up my door and just outside there was like these three or four bags of like stuff that I never ordered. Like, I'm pretty sure I didn't ask for lipstick. You know what I mean? And, and it shows up at my door. Right? <laughs> Yeah, I'm pretty sure, John. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I did ask my daughter, like, are you, you know, uh, are you ordering on my account? Yeah, did That's you like, order on my account? <laughs> security but, issue. But no, you. they just they just screwed up. So like I got somebody's stuff and somebody didn't get their stuff, you know. Okay, that's not super tragic. Uh, you know, as compared to something, you know, where uh my sister, for example, uh has a very strong reaction to certain types of anesthesia. It's a kind of a cardiac uh arrhythmia that forms. And, uh, and she was explaining to me once, you know, how she had some sort of emergency uh, happen. And uh, she was trying to communicate to the doctors, like in this kind of half conscious state, uh, don't give me this med, because if you give me this one, you know, you're going to be in for a lot of trouble, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. So, so having a, a view of that, you know, really is centered around knowing, well, okay, when my sister shows up, well, who is this person, you know, and, and having a means of communicating that. And then having access to the records as a result is really, really very important. Yeah. 
And with the push to access those records, I think the digital identity yes. is becoming more and more important. Absolutely. As we exchange yes. the data, as we enable new APIs, et cetera, right? Uh, you exactly. don't want to transfer yeah. the data to these third-party apps and with the wrong ID. <laughs> Correct. You know, and that's that's another avenue that we're, we're trying to kind of educate our customers, you know, that... Um, you know, when we talk about communicating digital identity, it, it's bo both at the point of registration or the point of service, so like when you physically go in for something to be able to communicate your identity, but also increasingly important are these kind of virtual visits, you know, and, and portals and other kinds of uh, things that, that um, patients are being given access to, you know, and, and, and unifying those two things so that one identity kind of acts as the key you know, to identifying yourself at a point of care, as well as if you're, you know, on your browser or on your app, and you're trying to say, well, who am I? Um, you know, those are, those are two things that have kind of lived in separate worlds for a really long time, you know, digital access to something and then physical access to, to a facility, you know, I've been kind of almost like two separate worlds, I would say. Yeah. So you've shared a little bit about how Nextgate approaches this, but how are you approaching digital identity? And tell us a little bit about your OneDid product and how does that sure. play in with your EMPI product as well? Yeah, well, you know, for, for years, we've been trying to find a way um, to leverage uh, the power of, of things like, you know, smartphones um, mm -hmm. in, in identifying an individual. And um, over the last few years, there's been increasing momentum in the establishment of standards uh, to create uh, a portable identifier, one that, that's globally unique and portable, um, and that can live in a kind of digital wallet. You know, the last thing, we, we didn't want to uh, invent yet another identifier, you know what I mean? And, and I think that was part of the problem in the, in the whole concept of a, of a national patient identifier is like, is this just gonna be yet another number? Yeah. You know, like a Medicare number or the social security number or whatever. And the answer is likely if it was literally just going to be a number, then yeah, probably, because it would be inherently flawed in that there would be duplications. And then you'd have to wonder, you know, is this the yeah. correct one or not? But so we've been, we were playing a bit of a wait and see just to see uh, where the industry would start to gather its momentum. And really around this, um, uh, specification known as decentralized identity. That's where we've seen a lot of traction across a lot of different industries, you know, starting um, really with, with finance, you know, where they have more kind of stringent need to identify an individual, you know, uh -huh. for like banking applications and sure. such, uh, where so. you really need to have a strong attestation to, um, you know, things like a person's uh, name and address and other attributes that, that, um, that identify them. So, <coughs> Once we saw that starting to move forward, then we decided that we were going to really um, base our strategy on something that is portable because that way we can go to our customers and say, look, this is eventually going to be where the future lies. You know, it's, it's going to be something um, that's as common as, oh, I'm going to go to a website and I want to do a secure uh, you know, banking transaction, or I want to shop for something and you see the little SSL kind of padlock and whatever. Yeah. And everyone, that's just kind of like this ubiquitous, ubiquitous standard around uh, public private key infrastructure that allows people to feel a level of trust, you know, that when they interact with that Amazon or whatever it is, you know, that that really is Amazon. It's not somebody else, you know, and um, 
you know, we really feel strongly that that's the way things identity is going to be slowly moving um, worldwide, you know, and not just in healthcare and not just in the United States, but, you know, but it's, it's a slow progression. In any case, um, you know, the, the approach that we've taken is we want to be the first, starting on the patient side, uh, the first EMPI to support uh, producing and accepting, you know, digital credentials. Because, you know, our, some of our customers, we've had them since the very start, you know, 15 years, yeah. they've been managing and curating their, their data set uh, for all that time. It's a, a tremendous amount of effort that they put in. And so they have some reasonable notion of the patients that they're taking care of. Yeah. Why not then leverage all of that and say, okay, now from there, we can use that as our starting point for creating digital credentials. And then we can slowly involve the patient in uh, improving the quality of the data. If you see something that's not quite right in your record, go on to let us know, you know, and we'll issue you a new, new credential with an updated address, you know? Um, so that's our approach. You know, it's a little bit, um, essentially what it looks like, John, is, is that there's, um, there's an app that runs on, uh, on, on your mobile phone. Uh -huh. And uh, at every kind of point of service, whether it's physical or virtual, you scan a QR code that says, I am at this facility or I'm on my browser and I'm trying to log into this you know, portal or whatever it is. Uh -huh. And uh, at that point, what happens is you're transmitting your credential. So it's under your control as a patient. You're transmitting your credential to that organization. And generally speaking, at the start, that organization was the issuer of that credential to you. And so they'll look at that. They'll see that it's, uh, it hasn't been tampered with in any way through some of this kind of cryptographic you know, magic. Yeah. And at that point, you know, you're in, you know, in the sense that you've been either registered at a point of care or you've logged into you know, that particular digital service to the high level, at least. Yeah. Well, and it's nice because then the patient knows that they're being identified correctly, but also the yes. organization knows that that patient is indeed the one that they thought. Uh, yes. It's, that, it's critically important. Like a valuable yeah. thing. <laughs> you would think, right? Like that they would know <laughs> who you are and that you would be able to have some visibility into who they think you are in terms of what attributes they have. Uh, you know, on you. Um, because I mean, I think organizations do want, we, we see this, for example, uh, when it comes to the topic of reference data, that organizations are saying, well, can we enrich, you know, the view that we have on about this patient by going to some third party reference data provider, you know, and we, we do have that in our product set as well. Uh -huh. uh, but in some ways, it's a little bit of a kind of a flawed concept, right? In, in that, um, you know, you're asking yet another party with its own kind of set of data governance to say, well, I think that this, you know, John's address is that, you know, well, maybe John didn't want to contribute that address for a reason, you know, yeah. uh, you know, so I, there's no question in my mind that organizations want to have a better picture of you, um, you know, and certain elements are super critical that they get right, um, you know, so we think that this is something that is going to be accepted, you know, in that they see the benefit and they also see that they still have a, 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 the same amount of control at the end of the day. They're still the issuers of the credential. You have your own credential, which we call the one-did credential, which is more in the patient's control. Uh, but each provider is allowed to produce their own credential as well. So, you know, we can try to strike that balance and see where, you know, where, where people land with it. Gotcha. And I can see how a patient would like it because, um, you know, man, I just think of uh, 
my, my friend Erin Gilmer, who actually just passed away, and she would often mm. talk about exactly the situation that you're talking about. Why am yeah. I not in more control over what information they have, which, you know, I think yes. is an interesting discussion. But I, I think on the other side of things, there is the fear about this as well. And so maybe you could talk to this as, you know, does this one did credential help or hurt when it comes to data security and protection? Oh. Sure. You know, one place, one identity that that scares a lot of people, I think. Yeah. And, and actually, that's why we're, we're not looking to produce it. Uh, you know, the so the way that one did works is you can create any number of credentials. You know, so if, if you you know get treated by 10 different organizations and each one of them wants to kind of manage their own credential, that's absolutely possible to do. And it's, it's not the case where we're centralizing uh, all the information about you anywhere, really. There is really no central kind of component to this, except this, this part that's related to um, where people can essentially find your public key. You know? So the public key is, 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 uh, is something that uh, is exposed in the way that, that by its nature, people should be able to look at it. So if you sign something with your private key, then uh, you know people can can decrypt it or or uh, ensure that it hasn't been tampered with by using your public key. But no information about you is ever exposed. Um, you know, so so the actual credential with your name, with you know your birth date, your address, your phone number, none of that stuff exists anywhere centrally. So that's another kind of super compo- uh, important component of this that we felt. You know, we we never took at Nextgate the approach, even though we have you know, over a hundred plus installations of our EMPI all over the country. And some, I don't even know what we're up to 280 million, you know, patients or whatever. I always think of it like hamburgers uh, sold, you know, on the McDonald's. I know at some point yeah. it's just billions and billions, but at some um, point it's too many. <laughs> yeah. It's just like lots of hamburgers sold, you know, but we, we have them as kind of independent, you know, silos in a way. Um, you know, and we never tried to, we, we never felt that, that we owned that data, you know, certainly. Um, and, uh, you know, that's the whole issue of trying to centralize things into one place, because then, you know, there's been some very high profile kind of breaches that have happened, you know, with some, some of the credit bureaus in particular that, that do have this kind of like, you know, databases of close to 300 million people. Um, that's very dangerous. And, And I think that if we, if we try to move in that direction, then I would agree, we could certainly do more harm than good. But essentially, you know, the, the, it's, it's getting, it would get to a point where if you wanted to uh, get information about 300 million people, you would have to hack into 300 million phones. Like it, it is coming back to kind of the end device. Uh, and, and then you're transmitting the credential from your end device, uh, but your credential is not sitting somewhere you know, locally where it can get hacked and, and, and you know, people can get all sorts of identifying information. Yeah. So talk about what is the role of this digital identity that, you know, it's nice. We'll have it on the phone. We go in, you know, I, I got the, you know, scan the QR code, but right. you know, how, how does that help when it comes to patient matching identification? What if uh, I go to a yeah. system who doesn't have it? I mean, or, or you know, how is this going to flow right. where it's really going to help solve some of those problems? Yeah, no, that's a big, that's a great question. Uh, so you know, we are looking to leverage our existing EMPI to help with this because you're absolutely right. Just because I have a credential and I wave it around or I scan it, you know, on a QR code and, and it gets transmitted, it doesn't 
it doesn't relate to anything, you know, that an organization may already have over the last 20 years, you know, and, and there's, I can't think of any clinical system that, that is, you know, on board with this whole uh, decentralized ID and verifiable credential standards. I mean, these are all kind of like bleeding edge things, you know, and healthcare generally, you know, takes forever to kind of catch up with things. So we are creating certain, um, I would say almost like bridge capabilities within the product, you know, so the first bridge is the EMPI itself in the sense that when you issue your credential, your credential already will include all of your legacy identifiers, you know, and for some of our customers, they have like, you know, 20, 30 different identifiers, all these different systems that they've spent so much time integrating together, you know, with the EMPI as a crosswalk, well, basically the crosswalk comes with the credential, which is huge because, yeah. you know, it basically says now, if you transmit your credential and you say, Hey, I'm John, well, not just that, but now I know all the pointers to, you know, John's, John's record at the, at the local facility. So that's kind of one important piece of um, trying to make this a reality. You know, the other one is, is that we intend to also do some automation, you know, so um, when you scan the QR code, it presents the credential to, to the registrar, shows your picture that you've taken as a selfie that's part of your credential, maybe the driver's license if you've scanned it. But then it'll also send outbound HL7 messages to say, hey, you know what, here he is, uh, start the, the admission sequence, whatever it may be. Because many organizations already have like a very elaborate uh, you know, process to, to, for, for inpatients, certainly. Yeah. Uh, you know, and so, for example, like you know, the, the, um, the wristband you know, with the QR code printed and all that, all those capabilities our view on it is basically we just have to kick off the process, you know, and, and so we are adding some integration capabilities as well, because that's just something we're very familiar with as an EMPI vendor, just having to deal with the plumbing. You know, there's a lot of plumbing that organizations have internally. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's such a big problem, uh, patient matching, identity. Uh, my, my, my favorite is John Doe showing up to the ED, right? <laughs> you know? Oh, gosh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's well, challenging. But, you know, the, there's thousands of situations that are similar where something gets crossed. So anything we can do to improve that is, is just a big step forward. It is. And, no, and you, you bring up a lot of um, interesting points. You know, so right now, our approach has been assuming that a person has a mobile phone mm -hmm. and is in a state <clears throat> where they can unlock their mobile phone and you know, scan a QR code and have the credential transmitted. There are examples, as you said, where that's not true. Yeah. You know, you're, you're, you know, on the street bleeding uh, or, um, you know, you're just not mentally <laughs> capable of it, you know? Um, so, you know, we will eventually start to introduce also the capability that a person can have, a printed QR code, hmm. like on a bracelet or something of that sort, um, or, or a sticker that's on an insurance card, so that if an organization were to scan that, it would point to a person's credentials, not on their phone, but rather on an agent, you know, and then hmm. it's a question of whether that agent should consent to that treating organization, you know, to see any information. It's a very tricky business because there's lots of, the reason we haven't jumped into that right off the, the get-go is that it introduces all sorts of security vulnerabilities that have to be very yeah. carefully thought through. Uh, but you, know, you make an excellent point. The other really important point is around the notion of guarantors. You know, like I, I would like to be able to, on behalf of my daughter, communicate her identity, you know, and, and, and my son, you know. So, so being able to deal with multiple 
family members for which you have a you know you 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 are responsible for their care is also kind of an important area and something that we're working on as well. Yeah. Well, I think hackers have proved one thing, and that is the way we've done it forever is not very secure. <laughs> I not walk in and I just give them the info and they trust that I'm giving them the right info. Uh, that's not very secure. So I, you know, I think this is a huge step forward from a security and identity standpoint. It will be fun to see how it evolves. Any final thoughts as we wrap up? Uh, no, I just say I, I always get excited when you're talking about this topic. I, I think that um, the final thought is if you're not paying attention to this space and if you think that this industry is going to continue muddling along the way it has for the last you know, 10 or 20 years, I would say think again, you know, because there's been tremendous progress. I think that at some point, you know, it may not be driven first through healthcare, it may be through other industries, but at some yeah. point, you know, it's just going to come out of nowhere. And if people haven't been kind of paying attention to it, and it's going to really revolutionize uh, a lot of, of interactions, you know, in terms of how people are doing things today. So keep an eye on the space, I guess, is be my, would be my advice. Yeah. And that's great advice to, it may come from other industries and hit us in the face. Yes. So it likely will <laughs> based on how slow healthcare is. Yeah, generally. Makes sense. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for sharing your insights and perspectives, Danny. And uh, we'll watch as it, as it all progresses and definitely cover it on Healthcare IT Today. Thanks everyone for watching. If you want to find more great health IT content like this, be sure to check it out at healthcareittoday.com. Thanks, Danny. Thanks, John. Appreciate it.